Did you ever think being a woman who wanted it all would be so hard? I didn't either. That's why my guests and I are unveiling the issues and challenging the norms of modern womanhood with the intention of exploring and publicly airing the uncomfortable and the unspoken. No topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions that most people are too ashamed to ask. Welcome to Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we're writing together. So, are you in? I fully believe that every single person I've ever met has struggled with body image. Like there's no, like there's no one. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't had those kind of um, insidious messages permeate in some way. It's just that some people either are able to move past it or they're unaware of it. They just, it's part of their, their subconscious. Hello to all my modern women. You asked and I delivered. Today's guest is a body love activist known as the Bodzilla. Not only is she the queen of lilac, but she is also a writer and vocal advocate for racial, gender and size equality. Our guest refuses to allow anyone else to tell her what she should do, eat or think about herself and she generously teaches other people how. Not only does she have a cult following, but she has also been featured in the SBS documentary, What Does Australia Really Think About?, which reveals what Australia really thinks about disability, obesity, and old age. She was also Australia's first bikini billboard plus-size model, which was a campaign by curvy swimwear called Beach Please that set out to make everybody feel included. She was also a panellist on the Bumble Modern Womanhood virtual discussion, which spoke about misogyny, gender equality, sexual consent, and safety. She was featured in the Bras and Things, I Am Many Things blog series that shares stories of the many women and the many things that make her her. In today's chat, our guest shares her message of body positivity and self-love. To all my modern women, if ever you have struggled with the way you look or with unhealthy eating habits or been a victim of body shaming or dated someone who has made you feel like you're not good enough or question your self-worth, and if you're ready to say fuck you to diet culture, fat phobia and self-hate and ready to learn to accept yourself just as you are, then this is the episode for you. Body positivity and self-love is something I personally battle with on a daily basis, so it was truly amazing to speak with our incredibly inspiring and witty guest. I can't say this enough, guys, but we need more women just like her in this world. Together in this episode, Your Body, Your Business, How to Accept, Appreciate, and Love Your Body, we discuss how to overcome the pressure to conform or compare to mainstream beauty and body ideals, how to overcome negative self-talk and accept, appreciate, and love our bodies, and how to bring all bodies into the mainstream for celebration. This episode is for everybody, no matter what size you are. Guys, it is with great pleasure I introduce to you today the legendary April Helene Horton, aka The Bodzilla. April, welcome to Single at 30. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's great to be chatting. Yeah, so it's such an honor to have you on the podcast. So many of my listeners have requested that I have a guest on the podcast to talk about body positivity. And I just knew the second I saw you on Bumble's Modern Womanhood panel a couple of months ago now that you were exactly who I wanted to interview. So thank you. Uh, Let's start from the beginning. What was your upbringing like? 
Uh, I was, uh, I guess, always a little bit of a, a different kid because I was one of the only brown kids that I knew uh, where I grew up in, in Goulburn. And then when I was about eight, I became, uh, yeah, I, you know, I gained weight due to the fact that I was actually, I'm an asthmatic and I took a lot of steroid medication that made me go from a very tall, broad, brown child to a very, very much bigger, like almost probably double my weight um, over about a year, uh, which, you know, when I look back, I go, that's probably not, you know, lots of kids were growing and changing, but I really, you know, went from being already quite big because I'm tall um, and people kind of already noticed me for all those reasons. And then, yeah, I became uh, a fat kid, uh, one who got picked on quite a lot um, and teased quite a lot, um, which because my mum's pretty amazing, independent, fierce woman, mostly ended up with me just, you know, becoming a bit of a joker, being pretty aggressive in my like, you know, I made jokes so other people couldn't make fun of me. So kind of that late primary school, early high school, I was very much, I picked on other people before they could pick on me because I felt very defensive all the time. Right. I feel like high school is so hard for kids. I mean, it's amazing that we all survive it, honestly. But uh, on Instagram, you've made mention to living in a body that wasn't accepted by society. What was that like for you growing up? It was one of those things where I feel like my mum had always quite actively tried to talk about the fact that I was a bit different and, and make me aware of the fact that people might talk about that because I uh, my father was born in Mauritius. And so I uh, am a, although I do have, um, because I'm mixed race, I would say a lighter skin tone, uh, growing up in a town where it was mostly very white people, I did stand out. So my mum had always kind of, I guess I would say, phrase it now as leaned into the fact that she had a mixed race child who was noticeably different because of her skin color. So I'd always been a bit of an outsider, but I embraced that. I was like, I'm special. I'm unique, which I love like, that ego, <laughs> ego vibes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Everyone's yeah. special. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I think my mum was just like, this is what makes you special. Like that's, she was never, she definitely wasn't like, you're more special than other people. She was just like, this is your thing. Other people, I don't know, play the violin or whatever. She's like, this is what makes you special. <laughs> like you have interesting heritage. Like she tried to make it a positive thing and, and make me feel like it wasn't something. If someone tried to shame me for it, that I'd just be like, shut up. Um, and so that was the same kind of attitude that she embraced when she saw that I was getting teased because I was bigger or getting bigger and um, continued to kind of gain weight over the, the primary and high school years. She just would, you know, try to encourage me to just be like, whatever, like you're, you know, and tell me all the things that I was rather than talking about what I wasn't. But that kind of couldn't take away from the fact that everybody I knew and spent time with at school made it pretty obvious that I wasn't one of them. And how did they do that? Was it just teasing or comments? Oh, everything. Like, you know, whether it was like if someone would, you know, your female friend would blab that you had a crush on a boy and they'd like literally say out loud, oh, disgusting. I would never. Like things like that. Wow. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. Like the way the way that <laughs> kids are so mean. I'm just like, wow. So mean. Gosh. Um, so mean. Um, or whether it was like having food thrown at me, animal oh noises. Oh, yeah. Like. <laughs> when I look back, I'm like, I don't know how I didn't 
suffer more, like emotionally. Like, yes, I'm traumatized, but I still got up every day and went to school. And, you know, I never said to my mom, I don't want to go to school today. I just would think, oh, these assholes at it again. Like, I do obviously have a natural level of resilience and optimism where Absolutely. I would kind of just go, well, you know, and, and I had a group of friends. We were all misfits, I guess. You know, there were a few of us. Oh, who I love that. We're into like, you know, we had, um, couple of the girls who were goths and then you know another one who was just a bit of a, like a bookworm and we just kind of weren't part of any crowd so we made our own crowd um you know uh, a boy who he wasn't out but um he you know between all of us we were aware um that he's gay and things like that so we were just kind of a group of people that didn't feel like we fitted or didn't want to be in a group with the other people because they weren't really very nice to us and it wasn't that they weren't nice people but we were all in that that thing of being a teenager and wanting desperately to fit in and the fact that you would have to ostracise or exclude other people to make yourself more part of the cool group, which is just, I guess, you know, white supremacy but in teenage form. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I feel like that for me, I look back and go, thank God I was friends with those people because I'm still friends with 50% of the people from that, that group because they were good humans and I did love spending time with them. Totally. And I always like I often think that misfits are actually the cool kids who go on to change the world. Like they're the people you actually really want to know long term, you know. So it's so interesting because now look at what you're doing later on in life. So on that note, I love how you're advocating for the acceptance of all bodies and in doing so revolutionizing beauty standards. When did your journey with body positivity begin? I definitely think that it's like my journey with body positivity started pretty late in life. But when I look back at some of the things that I recognized or felt about bodies and, and things like that, just more so conversations that I would have with friends where it was about why shouldn't you do X, Y, or Z? And that was a lot more about, I guess, that girl power, you know, the Spice Girls were around then. <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were our kind of, our, our vibe, is, is that thing of like everyone should be allowed. But it was still like a very niche everyone. There was only a specific kind of everyone. So um, probably when I think about when I really started actively talking about body positivity, it's only been in the last three years. And that's mostly because of the advent of, Instagram's body positivity focus because I feel like it does have times where, you know, five years ago the focus was maybe more so on advocating for open conversations about mental health. I feel like that right. was one of the things where we, we saw a lot of content being created. People were feeling reassured by seeing other people online speaking out. And so I think I started to really see these conversations about bodies, about fat liberation, about the ways that we are harmed by body image conversations and diet culture. Um, after I had my my baby and he's four now. Um, oh. Yeah, so I think the first, I mean, the first year of that was, it was its own whole other thing. But I think I was <laughs> <heard>. really, <laughs> I was really starting to, I guess, look at myself and my influence and the fact that, I literally was responsible for how this person was going to grow up and be part of the world and thinking back on all of the ways that I had both at the hands of other people been been teased and bullied but also the the kind of shitty behavior that I had had done to people and wanting to go early on I'm not going to contribute to that I'm going to help you know my my child be a better person maybe than the people I knew or the even the person that I was back in the back in the 90s when I was <laughs> only little <laughs> Totally. So can we talk about the difference between fat positivity and body acceptance? How would you describe them? Sure. I think body acceptance is for everyone, right? It, it's 
it's for all of us to look at ourselves and each other and just go, yep, hi, that's you. Hey, it's me. Feel good about that. Or just feel neutral about it. Body neutrality is another way of looking at it. But I think body acceptance is, is much more focused on um, accepting the flaws that society has told you that you have. Right. So if we look at those conversations, hip dips, let's normalise, you know, stretch marks, things, things that you potentially have regardless of whether or not you are fat or thin or what your skin colour is, all of that stuff. I think body acceptance is about everybody becoming a little bit more open to the fact that perfect bodies aren't real, the airbrushed, the photoshopped, you know, that conversation that even the model doesn't look like the model. I think that's what body acceptance is, is allowing us to detach ourselves and our self-worth from the messages society has given us about body image. And I think my my sense and, and how I've experienced fat positivity is advocating for fat bodies to be allowed to exist without judgment, specifically because they are more heavily targeted than, say, your quote-unquote flawed bodies. So if we look at someone like Sarah Nicole Landry of the Birds Papaya, she talks about body acceptance. Now, she is a very much, um, she's aware and an advocate for fat positivity and she's very aware of her privilege and she talks about that and it's one of the reasons that I absolutely love her is that she's... She's understanding of the fact that even while she's having a moment that she needs to, you know, sit with herself and say, I'm okay, I accept myself, and that that's a very real thing. She also recognises that what she goes through is nothing compared to the open, disgusting behaviour and oppression that fat bodies are exposed to. And so fat positivity is about um, advocating for easily accessible fashion, healthcare, uh, you know, both mental and physical, um, like allowing fat bodies to exist and be accepted and be um, perceived in a way that they are equal with all of the other people. And I think that that, for me, is something that we've we've seen pushed to the side because body acceptance, of course, is more mainstream. It allows people who maybe have only only noticed that they have flaws when somebody told them, you know, like the internet yes. is, is full yes. of these, let's normalise this. And you're like, I didn't, I just, I just thought I, like. <laughs> I, I didn't know what you feel bad about that, but thanks. <laughs> right? Like, oh, you have, you have this many eyebrow hairs instead of that many eyebrow hairs. Like, don't worry. We love you too. I give it, what? So I think um, fat positivity is what I really want to see people advocating for. And it's why I really have tried, especially in the last two years uh, since I became the Bodzilla, uh, to to talk about that and to allow people to go, oh, but I feel bad about myself. Like I'm thin and I've always struggled with my body image. And for me to say, yep, and I hear that and I totally understand. I'm not trying to invalidate that, but you need to be aware that your struggles are a part of what fat people go through. Like we all have that feeling of not accepting or not loving, not uh, being neutral not being able to simply get up in the morning and look at our bodies and go, okay, I can do the things I need to do because my body allows me to do that. And, and you know, this conversation isn't even taking into account the difference between someone who has other intersections of identity, such as trans people, uh, disabled totally. people, etc. You know, so we're only very, like, you know, in this particular example, I'm talking about myself. And so I am a, you know, cis woman who is able-bodied and, you know, so I recognise that I also have privilege. But I think being able to redirect people when, they, when they're feeling a certain way or wanting to have a certain angle of discussion about bodies and being like, sure, absolutely, 100% am with you, but also don't forget, and kind of getting them to just open that little, that door into 
wow, there's so much more to this than just how I've been made to feel. And and that's not to take away from them at all. I fully believe that every single person I've ever met has struggled with body image. Like there's no like there's no Oh, one. absolutely. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't had those kind of um, insidious messages permeate them in some way. It's just that some people either are able to move past it or uh, they're unaware of it. They just, it's part of their their subconscious, you know, conversations with people who talk about how they just feel so much better about themselves and associate maybe like changing body shape and mass with their mental health. And I'm like, mm, I am not sure that those two things are actually, the correlation is much more about what you believe your value is when 100%. you weigh less. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, but I think that's I think that's probably the difference. Sorry, that was, a, that was quite no. a, a long answer for <laughs> yeah, a little question. Totally. So let's talk about the origins of the Budzilla because I love that name. Uh, how did you come up with it? Uh, it was a team effort. Uh, I worked with a photographer, Jade, from Hipster Mum Social. Uh, basically, she said to me, I'm loving what you're posting. Like, we we already knew each other and, and we're acquainted. And she had said to me, oh, um, I love what you're posting about bodies and all that kind of thing. She's like, I feel like there's so much more. Like, you should do that as a thing. You should just do it. And she was really encouraging. Um, and we did a photo shoot that we collaborated on and... We kind of, you know, because that's that's what she does. She's a photographer. She does um, brand work and things like that, social media. And so we kind of were like, okay, we're going to do a rebrand because I had my Instagram handle was just like a personal one. And so I was like, well, I don't know. Like, what am I, what, what am I about? And she's like, you're powerful. You know, like she was really um, reassuring and she really embodied that kind of uh, hype girl energy and she said to me it's something about like a boss or a bod or a something and we just kept like we're texting back and forth we were we were like you know you know, caught up for lunch and we were like but 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 what are we gonna you know we're going through letters of the alphabet it was a real a real like effort for a couple of days and then she was like bod 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 bodzilla I was like that's it that's it. Stop. <laughs> We're done. You've nailed it. So all credit to Jade. Um, it was definitely, that was her, her brain popped that little, little spark of genius out. And then, um, one of my best friends, Heather coined the phrase, it's Bodzilla bitch. I think yeah, I probably, love those hashtags. <laughs> as, as a bit of a, a bit of a, um, uh, a bit of an honor to Britney Spears. It's Britney bitch. I think it was. Um, <laughs> I think it was definitely one of those. So, uh, yeah, she kind of coined that phrase. Uh, Jade came up with the name, and then I just went gung ho with it, and I, I totally, um, I, you know, embraced it. It's iconic. <laughs> it is, and I feel like now I, I, I am, I am able to see how she, you know, Jade in that moment was like, "You can do this," because now I do it, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm doing it," and that that is exactly, you know what she yeah. what she meant when she said it um so that's pretty great yeah and so what has the journey of learning to accept and appreciate and love your body look like for you I mean has it changed since launching as the Bodzilla oh yeah like I so when I started doing Bodzilla stuff um and I did the photo shoot with Jade I I posed with no clothes on with my um, my balloons. It was my 35th birthday and I was changing over and launching the brand, so to speak, on my birthday, which was um, February 2020. And so Jade actually said, why don't you just like, 
got like I, I, you know, I'd done a couple of shots in a swimsuit and this was all stuff where she was like, let's do it. And I, you know, she really encouraged me. And then she's like, why don't you just like get down to your undies? She's like, or even without undies, because obviously, you know, we felt a bit like <laughs> we'd hung out a bit. We knew each other. She was like, yeah. it's fine. I'm not going to look like I'll wait till you've got the balloons in position. So there I was naked in this little studio that we were using and had these gold foil balloons in front of me. And I feel like getting those photos back was the start of um, an amazing, I guess, you know, trajectory into looking at myself and being like, I look all right or better than all right um, in, in other cases. But, you know, depending on the day that I can get up and go, I look fine. Or, you know, that idea that you can wake up on a Tuesday and feel bad about yourself. But on a Friday, you can be like, I look hot. And you know that nothing changed since Friday about your body. But somehow you can look at it differently and you realise that's all about your mindset and your perception of yourself. Totally. Um, and being able to look at photos of yourself and go, oh, that's still me. Like that's still, you know, I was looking at some pictures from 2015 the other day. And so for me, I went through, um, I had weight loss surgery, which um, these days is something I don't really talk about because I just don't feel like it's as relevant. And I've written a bit of a blog post about what I have to say about it. So I can kind of refer people back to it because I just don't feel like it's something that I want to discuss because I don't have an opinion on what other people do with their bodies. I'm not going to recommend it or, or speak against it. It's just a fact that, that I did have weight loss surgery in uh, late 2015. So six years later, looking through some photos and I realized that they're pictures of me from five years ago and I look the same because even though, you know, I had the surgery, uh, lost weight, uh, went through a lot of stuff, had a baby, um, some pretty significant mental health stuff, and then got into what I'll call Godzilla mode and back or close to looking the same um, as I did. And I, I, you know, because I now don't, I don't actively follow what my actual weight is. I don't know how much I weigh, but I look at those photos. I'm like, that could be from today. I look the same. But now I remember taking those photos and being like, oh, thank God you're going to have this surgery and you're not going to look like this anymore. And I look at myself and I go, oh, I looked fine. I looked great. I was I was being so unkind to myself and, and full of so much self hate and shame because that is, you know, what I had reinforced across various different things, whether it's, you know, from magazines or people I interacted with who made me feel a certain way about myself. But that growth and that change, I think, got me to the point where I can, someone says, oh, quick, let's get a photo. I'm not like, show it to me, show it to me. I remember being <laughs> that person always, oh, no, I don't like my chins. Now I just get in the photo and go, cheese, and then I go, because I'm like, it doesn't matter. That's what I, I actually like. wouldn't even get in photos. That's how bad I was. I would say no. Like I've never even really posted on Instagram. So like you're better than me. <laughs> oh, well, I used to be the person who took the photos. I was well known as being <laughs> the girl who had the camera and I was yeah. never in any of the photos because I yeah. didn't want to be in the photos. Or if I took a photo, it would be a selfie and I would, you know, you tilt your head till your neck almost snaps trying to get yeah. the perfect <laughs> chin, ankle. Oh, God. Why do we do these things to ourselves? But, yeah, so these days... I jump out in front of a camera and I go, take the photo. And like this morning, um, my, my husband took some photos uh, of me, uh, and I, which I then posted, and I, I went, oh, not really loving what my hair's doing here, not really loving what my chin's doing there. And then I was like, oh, well, and I posted them because I was like, Good on it doesn't you. matter. Like it, no. it was a picture of a T-shirt. I'm like, my, my chin's <laughs> and my hair isn't, like the picture was supposed to be about the message on the shirt, so my chin kind of doesn't make a difference to that. And that's where I am, but it's so far from where I've been. So I think right. when I talk about accepting, appreciating and loving my body, Sometimes it's simply just going, yeah, 
I mean, look, is it the cutest I've ever looked? No, but it's fine. (laughs) That will do. (laughs) That will do. I'm fine. It's fine. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely still a work in progress. So what would you tell women struggling with their own journey of acceptance? That it doesn't, it's not on a time frame. It's not, you're not going to run out of time. There's no clock ticking down saying, if you don't love yourself by this point, that's it, you're cooked, goodbye. Um, Every (laughs) single day, you can just wake up and try to be a little bit kinder to yourself. That's all it is. It's it's not about waking up and just being like, right, I'm going to get my jiggly bits out on the gram and I'm going to just love it and flaunt it because not everybody's like that. Not everybody wants to show their body and that's fine. No. Conversely, yeah. if you want to show your whole ass, go for your life. You'll probably get an Insta violation, but I'm here for it. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I'm like, eh, do whatever you want. And I don't think we can judge people who want to stay covered up or people who want to get totally uncovered around whether there's something or there's something else. You know, as far as, oh, you don't accept yourself if you don't strip off. That's not true. If you want to be covered from neck to ankle, if you are someone whose cultural or religious attire has you covered, but you love yourself underneath, then that's your business. I think that it for, for anyone, you know, whether it's women, uh, non-men, but even men also struggling with a journey of accepting themselves, their body and, and how they look when they compare themselves, just don't compare yourself. That's a really, really great choice. Um, it's and I so realize hard, it's though. hard. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it's not an easy one, but it gets easier the more you do it, a bit like anything. Yeah. If you, it, you know, um, self acceptance is a muscle and you build it up, right? Oh, so I love that. Wow. I really, that's good. You know, and, and so that's when you get to the stage where I am, you're kind of like flexing <laughs> you yeah. know, with, the, with the whole like chin situation where you're like, no, no, I have built myself up now that I can lift myself up out of this, oh my God, I don't look cute to just be like, yeah, trolla. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I definitely think it's, it's an everyday journey. Some days you're just like, oh, I feel like crap, you know, maybe physically you're not feeling well. People with chronic illness um, don't necessarily have the same privilege to choose to feel good if they're in terrible pain or they're feeling unwell but just choosing to maybe be a little bit kind and say okay I don't feel well I don't feel like I look well I'm gonna rest and I'm gonna choose to just put myself in comfy clothes and do things that make me feel okay about myself that's the best thing that you can do yeah I feel like we don't take enough time to really like be kind to our bodies and rest them when we need to. We're always in like autopilot forcing ourselves to do more. And yeah, I think that that's such an important takeaway that it's okay to just like, you know, say today I'm just not going to engage and I'm just going to put on my like trackies and just chill. Yeah, absolutely. But what about food? Like I've personally gone through so many phases of having a really unhealthy relationship with food where I would either binge eat and then feel guilty for doing so or go through periods of strict dieting and under eating. What advice do you have for women who struggle with their relationship with food, particularly in this diet culture we all live in? One, and unfollow every single person who talks about their day on a plate. Goodbye. Get rid of it. See you later. In the bin you go. Because it's not, not one person can replicate someone else's habits and get the same result. So if you yeah. immediately are looking at what someone's eating, or also you're looking at what someone's eating going, oh, that's so little. I am a failure because I can't stop myself from eating more than that. Well, that's just not it. I, I don't know how else to how else to phrase it, but that is not it. Um, we're all individuals, metabolism, uh, physical, everything. All of the things about us are not, you can't do what somebody else does and get the same result. And we've seen it time and time again. When we see uh, 
these women are all a size XYZ and they all look different. One's tall and, and look slim. One's shorter and kind of rounder, whatever it is, but they're all wearing the same size clothes because the dysmorphia that comes with seeing the same body type over and over and over again and having weird arbitrary numbers assigned, this is a 12, this is an 8, blah, blah, blah. Right. It's not. Like, and on any given day it could be one and then a, a completely different size the next. It's so depending bizarre. on the store, yeah. whether you're right. bloated, like is it as yeah. is it, you know, a stretchy fabric or, or not. There's no Whether it's, it's a top or a jeans, like right. you know. Like it's it's literally all made up. Um exactly. it, it's, it's like anything. And so I think, yeah, number one, unfollow people who promote diet culture, whether that's diet tea, day on a plate, um, you know, weirdly phrased you know, um, eating disorder behavior, like, oh, I'm I'm doing this fasting where I don't eat for seven weeks, you know, like, <laughs> just stop it, stop it. Another um, juice cleanse. <laughs> right, people who, who, yeah, solid food, never heard of it. Um, people who Photoshop <laughs> themselves. Now, that's another thing because I feel like people who Photoshop themselves are actually living in diet culture themselves. Chloe, I'm looking at you. Um, and I think that it's one thing for Chloe Kardashian to Photoshop herself and say, I'm a victim of diet culture. Agreed, babe. And like, let's hug it out. But also stop talking about other people or I'm going to have to smack you because I'm not, I'm not here for, I'm in, immersed in diet culture, but that's okay because I am me and I have all this privilege, but uh, I'm also going to talk about uh, people in fat bodies and the fact that they shouldn't be allowed to eat ice cream with joy, um, shut up. So right. I think that it's, yeah, so I guess that all that to say, as I said, number one, unfollow people who make you feel bad. Uh, number two, follow people who are actively health at every size, anti-diet, um, and let's go with some professionals. If you can see online that there are haze and anti-diet um, dietitians, nutritionists, other people, if like if what you want is a bit of health spo, let's make sure it's <laughs> actual health. And so totally. that's talking about fueling our bodies and our minds uh, and, and not just food but other things like movement for joy and accepting the fact that not all of us are as fit or as flexible or as whatever as we used to be, but that doesn't mean that we can't just get out there and, and we don't have to look cute while we're exercising. So people <laughs> who talk about accepting their bodies without making assumptions about other people's bodies, people who are actively pursuing, um, you know, professional qualifications around being, uh, you know, body positive uh, medical professionals. Fat Doctor UK, um, Dr. Natasha Lamy is um, a wonderful person who I just love following. And uh, also, oh gosh, there's a whole bunch. If you basically, if you check out who I'm following um, on Instagram, you'll find there are a heap of really great uh, medical or uh, dietitians um, who are actively working against diet culture by explaining how bodies work, like how they actually work, not how they work when you starve them and punish them with exercise. <sighs> um, you know, uh, Ben Carpenter and Dr. Joshua Walrich, if you are like me and get a weird hello patriarchy feeling about um, cute boys talking about how you're like okay because they're dismantling exercise culture and diet culture and weight stigma and all of that. If if there's something that ma that makes that more interesting or palatable, seeing you know someone who maybe if you're like me, you have a little bit of I don't know something in your mind that goes, oh, that somehow means something extra to me when I hear it from someone I find conventionally attractive. Like, I don't know if that, like what that says about me, but I'm willing to admit that's how I feel. If that helps you, you know, 
I don't mind, and this is probably something that goes back all the way, I don't mind making a bit of a dick of myself if that will help you feel better about yourself as long as I'm not <laughs> harming myself, essentially. Yeah. So if I, I'll admit, I, I love, the one of the things I love about Ben Carpenter is that he's just like this, like, you know, muscular, funny, I think attractive guy, but he's also being like, I hate fat phobic people and they need a punch in the face. And I'm like, there's something that's a little bit sexy about that. Like I'm into Very it. sexy. Yes. And, Sign me know, up. And but I, I also want to be very clear that being sexy is not part of what you need what you need to be to be a great follow and a great inspiration to people. It's just that I feel like sometimes when you're like, oh hello, what's this person doing? Then I'm like, oh, love that caption. You know, you really get a feeling about it's like when someone you love and idolize a celebrity does something really epic. I saw um someone a model that I've never actually seen before uh, berating a photographer about saying something to her about her eating habits. She was letting him have it, and I was like, I don't know who this lady is, but she is sexy. Oh wow! I want to look that up. I'm gonna I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna send it to you because okay, it amazing. was it was on TikTok, and then um someone that I'm friends with shared it, but she literally was like, I am not doing this shoot. No. You want to, no, I'm not doing it. And um, the photographer was fired by the client that was supposed to be shooting with her that day because they were like, yeah, he can't behave like that. Wow. So it's that, Good on them. it's that thing, you know, when you're like, I, I'm weirdly aroused by this person <laughs> kind of doing this thing. And so I guess that's how I feel about, you know, all of the people that I, I love to follow who potentially, you know, you wouldn't expect to be the person defending you because you, if you're like me, you've experienced people that look like them being really not that kind of person and really not treating you well. So it's just kind of nice to have, have feel like you've got that. So, yeah, I mean, that's a little bit, I guess, about my, my personal <laughs> trauma. Um, but anyway. <laughs> so my listeners, one of the main reasons they wanted me to do an episode on this topic is because they feel like there's so much pressure on women to appear outwardly perfect all the time and strive for these unreachable beauty standards, particularly with the rise of things like social media and this swipe right culture we're living in. I saw that you're the first plus size woman, I think, in the world. Is that right? To well, appear definitely in, the- in Australia. Right. I don't know about okay. the world. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to take a global title, but definitely in <laughs> Australia. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the first plus-size woman in Australia to appear in a bikini on a billboard, which is epic. Congratulations. Uh, how do you deal with these expectations, particularly as a model in the spotlight? I mean, yeah, I, I actively rail against this. I was posting something on Saturday, actually. I'm having a big wardrobe clean out and um, right I now I'm sitting that. in my room. I know I'm sitting in my room and I'm like, oh, my Lord, what am I doing here? Because I've just got too many clothes and it's just bonkers. But what I, I was sort of a bit sweaty, had that kind of, you know, um, housework look about me, you know, wasn't looking attractive, <laughs> hair was kind of gone everywhere, was just wearing kind of PJs with a jumper over the top. And I posted about this and I said, one of the things uh, that I am, I've always been afraid to do, even now, and I, I you know, was kind of even, even to this week doing something that felt a little bit like, oh God, I've never done that before, posting myself looking hot, sweaty, not in an athletic context, just more like a, I've been getting around the house trying to figure out what the hell happened and how I got so many clothes. Um, and I posted that and I said, how many people relate to the idea that you need to present yourself online when you're a fat person? You need to present yourself online as looking more attractive than, you know, like just put together all the time because you feel like you need to look clean and look like you smell good and look like you're not lazy. Like what? I mean, what? You can't even, like, you can't even glean that from a photograph anyway. But the point is like, 
I definitely think all women and all, well, all people really, but all non-men are subjected to these standards that cis men never are um, around how you need to look so that people find you attractive, so that people think that you, like, I really feel strongly that, you know, the only time it's acceptable to look sweaty is if you're at the gym and even then you still need to be, like, doing a booty pick. Like, you can't look sweaty and, you know, people who do show themselves looking unkempt or, um, you know, post-gym, hair going everywhere, whatever it is, are still doing something somewhat radical because it's not normal. I'm using air quotes, but no one can see that. Um, <laughs> it's not normal to just look like, you know, a human. And I think that that's one of the Definitely really powerful... Not. Right? It's how dare you? A human? Get out of here. Um, it's, it's one of the really powerful ways that we push back against body image and diet culture uh, is, is just literally going expectations in the bin. I don't need to do that. And if you think that I need to do that, the unfollow option is always there. And I look at people like Abby Chatfield and myself. Um, Love her. We love, we love Abby. Um, love and Abby's her. one of those people who's super real. Like she will show herself like, you know, a bun that's kind of you just like she literally just woke up, hair in a bun, no makeup, no filter. And obviously and she's Abby, stunning. I love I mean, that look on her. Like she does not I can't need. deal with how attractive yeah. she is. But, yeah, um, <laughs> inside and out, like personality-wise, brains, everything. Exactly. Like, yeah. and, and I think that shows through in the fact that I, like I think if you wanted to dislike her, you could and then you could lean into that horrible diet culture thing or that that standards thing about how people need to present and go why doesn't she do something with herself like why does she let herself look like that but if you like us love her froth her then you're like look at her glowing not a scrap of makeup no filter nothing amazing yeah, best love skin that. ever healthy but also like you say the way that she is she know that she will champion things that she believes in um the way that she will listen to feedback the way that she you know all of the things that that people do that makes them sexy that's got nothing to do with their abs or their butt or whatever but you know I think that she is another person like me who has kind of come to that like I can, you can that evolution of like I don't need to do this and perform this for people and the and all like the backlash that you get when you don't appear the way people want you to is wild like and from women as well which is really upsetting I just I don't know why we're like that yeah I, well, we, I know yeah. why <laughs> And we yeah. do know why. It's called the patriarchy. Yeah. Um, it's, the True. thing is for us is the reason that we are conditioned to be, to work Absolutely. on behalf of the patriarchy and take each other down. We are conditioned to do that. It's not because we're inherently bad. It's not because we, we actually hate other women or we want to tear other women down. And I think that the idea that we can kind of realise that and have that as an active thought, like, oh, even if your first response is to think something like snarky about someone, but then you go, hang on, why am I thinking that? That's not true. Being able to have a conscious uh, internal conversation about why you are being or thinking the way that you are is really powerful. And I think, you know, it's, it's for me as someone who, you know, I say I'm a feminist, I'm an intersectional feminist, but like, what does that mean? It just means that I've always got my mind open to the fact that I'm probably wrong or potentially leaning into an unconscious bias and I need to calm down. Yeah, <laughs> I think that for um for people who feel the pressure to conform or compare to mainstream beauty and body ideals, there's three things that we need to do, and that's um open the mainstream up to include so many more people 
beauty beauty types and bodies um, because that will allow more people to identify with it. And then when it's comparison, it's healthy. Oh, that person looks like me and I feel good about that. Um, we need to stop conversations, you know, trolling and bullying in ways that people will publicly show their worst sides that, al- that validates other people's bad behaviour. Like I think we need to really actively push back against trolling and bullying and stop people from just flexing just how mean they can be. Um, I just can't so believe that, it's still a thing. Like, how is trolling oh, a thing? I, like, like, why? Why? And um, and the third thing is ask the big corporations to do more. Like, always yeah. be asking more from yeah. the, the people who who are creating this oppression. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So, I mean, you've obviously touched on your weight loss surgery and you mentioned that you really don't have an opinion when it comes to other women and their decision to get cosmetic surgery. Is that across the board? Do you just support any woman's decision to get Botox if yeah. they want? Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I um, My body, my choice is applicable to cosmetic procedures. It's, you know, abortions as healthcare. It's literally whatever you want to do with your own body is your business. But my concern, I suppose, is that people are altering um, and augmenting their bodies because they've been told that they're not good enough. Now, yeah. that is a problem and we need to kind of break that down. But for people who have surgery because they say, I feel more confident when I X, Y, Z, look, honestly, it doesn't hurt me. It doesn't bother me. It's not... um, it's not harming me and it's not really my business. And I think yeah, if, we, exactly. if, we, if we could just learn to, you know, mind our business um, or do do your business. My son said to me this morning, I was trying to get him out the door and he's like, mom, you're rushing me. Just, can you just go do your business? And I was like thinking <laughs> Wait, that did meant you something say else. For? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. I love that. Um, which only makes this a 10 times more terrible story that he is that sassy at four. Please. <laughs> one like, one prayer, send help. Um, You've got because, your work cut out for you. <laughs> Well, I said, do you mean mind your business? He goes, yep, and then kept doing what he was doing. And I was like, yeah, okay, wow, um, this is my life. So I wonder where I he learned it from. I, mm, mm, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine, couldn't begin to guess. Um, and this is, I think, though, if, if, if that's the attitude that we could just take, you know what, why don't you just go and do your business and I'll worry yeah. about my business. Um, yeah. I think that we need to stop commenting on people's appearances and I feel like if we did that, lots of people wouldn't feel a pressure to feel more confident because people would stop commenting on. So it's not just about someone talking to you about how you look. It's maybe it's you and your friend talking and your friend says a thing about someone else and you identify as having a similar look to that person. You're oh, hearing absolutely. that about yourself, right? And All it's the like time. When you when you read the disgusting things that um men <laughs> men <laughs> um men write on <laughs> online about women, it's like that person might never see what you've written, but your mum will and your sister will. Women you know, women you're connected with, women you don't know, but who might take that to heart. And the fact that you're behaving in a way that has no regard for what you're doing, because every action that people are taking is having some kind of effect on someone, whether they're aware of it or not. And so that those ongoing conversations that, you know, friends who talk about, you know, I always think of that scene in, in Mean Girls where they're picking out all their flaws and Katie doesn't know how to do that because she hasn't been conditioned to do it. That, I mean, as, as much as we might have questions about Tina Fey more generally, um, I think is a really powerful comment on the way that we've been socialised to hate ourselves oh, and the totally. fact that other people doing it in front of us will teach us to do it too. 
Oh, completely. I actually, um, at the co-working space I work at, the office manager, she has quite a public profile on her Instagram. And I saw a guy, some random guy that she doesn't follow, comment and rate every feature of her body openly (gasps) in the comments. I'm not even joking. And like, yeah, like you said, when he did that, it made me think about myself. And then I was like, this isn't okay. And her friends and family are going to see it. And yeah. it, it just impacts everybody. And he's some random guy who probably yeah. has framed photos of her all over his house because yeah, he's clearly obsessed. But it's, yeah. um, <laughs> but it's like, how do you think that that's okay to do something like that to somebody? And it's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's beyond me. That's one of those things. We need to push back hard against that stuff. We need to use every feature. We need to report. We need all of the platforms to go harder on the things that are harming people and Mm -hmm. really wake up to themselves when it comes to um, victimising marginalised voices online. Um, Use that power that you have to tag every single thing that mentions the word COVID or vaccine. Use that power to flag every disgusting misogynistic comment on Instagram. You have the power. Just use it. Oh, absolutely. And so going back to your surgery, knowing everything that you know now, would you consider having the surgery again if you could go back in time? I don't know where my life would have led if I didn't do it. So I'm just going to say that I would make the same choices over again Um, because I love my life and I love the people who I'm surrounded by and I wouldn't be where I am today without everything that happened before today. So... So, I mean, we've touched on this, but I feel like all women, regardless of their shape or size, have experienced body shaming. And a lot of people in my life, sadly, including peers and friends, often comment on the way I look and tell me when I have gained weight. A recent memory is when someone in my meditation class told me I was looking plump, which left me speechless, mostly because I felt objectified by an older man in what I thought was a safe space. Like this was a guy who was in his 50s. We were about to sit down for a a one-hour meditation. And while he was asking me how I was, he then just took it upon himself to point out that I had gained weight. So what are some of the different forms of body shaming you've experienced? Oh, God. Um, I mean, what? which ones haven't I experienced? <laughs> I think it's probably a shorter list. I, I mean, situations like that where people will comment. My thing is more, I think, about the times that people commented on my weight when I'd lost weight and how yeah. that made me feel about the person I was before and how I was someone it's to them now. It's not a compliment. It's just it's not, not a compliment. It's people not. need to stop it. <laughs> and I have people even today be like, oh, you look like you've lost weight. I'm like, no, I don't. Because I've gained weight. Because I know. Because I wear my clothes every day. Don't, don't, why, why are you lying? You know, I, I don't, there's no need. I don't get, that doesn't, it's not a compliment to me. If you say you look hot, I'd say, thank you. I know. Um, no, maybe I wouldn't say that. Oh, you look happy. (laughs) Yes, you look happy. You You know what? I've had some of my favorite compliments of all time in the last kind of, you know, two years. Someone told me I'm the human version of a warm apple pie and I was like, you know, well, oh I'm God, not I accepting anything less than that. <laughs> the bar is high. I am a pie. Um, it runs. Um, I, <laughs> I just am not, I'm not, um, I'm no longer subscribing to, oh, thank you so much when someone tells yeah. me I've lost weight. I would just, if someone says to me, oh, you look like you've lost weight, I would just say, oh, and then I would just move on. I don't say it's good, it's bad. Depending yeah. on who it is and where I am, I might be like, mm, gross, That's we don't do that. Um, yeah. If my, chi- if my <laughs> child was there, if my child was there, I'd be like, oh, we don't talk about bodies, but, um, you know, how are you? And I, I just would divert the conversation because I, I, I'm not 
I'm not doing that. That's not the energy that I'm bringing. But um, I recognize people are trying to be nice. And so I guess what I, I try to share with people other ways to give compliments mostly by modeling it oh you look really yeah you look happy or oh I love how your hair is today whatever whatever it is body shaming it comes from all different places whether it's um my mum being like pull your top down over your ass before I leave the house because in her mind that was going to cover up how big it was somehow I'm like "Mm, that actually (laughs) makes it look worse because now I look like I have no ass and that just like you know I I I would rather show people this delightful booty um (sighs) or whether it was yeah like even now I might come out in an outfit um my husband and I went to he had a dress up birthday party it was his 40th this year and I dressed as Storm from the X-Men and I wore a love honey leather catsuit so like skin love tight. that <laughs> clever um, where do I get and, myself one of those <laughs> oh yeah like it's literally I was just like yeah the fact that the crotch unzips let's just ignore that um that's not relevant at a birthday party in public um but the idea that I would walk out of the house like that my mum looked at me and I was like before you say anything don't say anything because this is what I'm wearing and I look hot and she went righto put her hands up like oh okay righto um so that body shame is not more so just like oh I can't believe you're gonna wear that why because you're afraid to wear it why don't you just get unafraid and I'll lend it to you so that that idea that people will project their own self image onto you is one of the most insidious body shaming experiences that I've ever had. Yeah, and that's all it really ever is. It's just a projection, right? Like, yeah. don't project your insecurities on me. I'm fine. Thank you. Like, So what advice do you have for women who find themselves in similar situations where they're dealing with body shaming from people around them? I think being really active in, I guess, protecting yourself. So, like, knowing if you're going into a situation where you're like, oh, I'm going to family lunch and there's going to be some shaming from whether it's you know um, my grandmother or like I'm just trying to think of an example where you would go somewhere and you know that that person's going to say something oh my nana would always say stuff like I mean one that really stands out to me is one time when she said you know what I love about you is that people can tell you love to eat like you love food and I was like (laughs) nana (laughs) Maybe that's a compliment to you, but Thanks. I don't know how to receive that one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Um, and and like I, I almost am like good try because that feels like it was almost doing the thing, but wasn't quite there. Um, I'll, I'll give her, I'll give her a half mark for that one. Um, I think that like you know, if you know, like if you had known that that weird person at your meditation class was going to speak to you about your body, you would have mentally set yourself up to say, if he says something about my body, I'm going to be like, wow, that's a weird thing to say. You you would have yeah. felt ready to come back and be like, oh, I'm shutting that down. But because it yeah. came out of nowhere, you were like, oh, I don't know how to react to that. I'm not going to be able to meditate now. I'm just going to sit here with my mind spinning about what the yeah. hell. Like- I think I went and sat in the bathroom for like 10 minutes and I never spoke to him again and he never apologized to me. And we were like oh. on a talking basis where we would speak each time we saw each other and it just never occurred to him to actually take responsibility for being a creep. <laughs> Even if it was to simply say, hey, I said that thing and I didn't mean anything by it and your intention is for shit, but yeah. um, I didn't mean anything by it and I'm really sorry you know, that I said that, that was out of line. You would be like, it really was, but thank you for acknowledging that. And perhaps you guys would still be friends. Um, But now he can just go meditate (laughs) elsewhere. Um, (laughs) Probably at home if he's, you know, pretty much anywhere in Australia because lockdown. (laughs) Um, But I, I think being prepared to say what you feel comfortable saying. And I know that when we go into lots of family situations, it can be volatile, frightening, traumatic. And you know, like, oh, your mum's going to say, 
blah, and you're going to feel a certain way. So part of that, I think, as well, um, you know, is potentially avoiding those situations. You're allowed Mm. to not engage with people who make you feel like shit about yourself. Like you're literally allowed to just be like, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. Cause, yep. And in your head, finish the sentence with, because you make me feel bad about myself. Um, <laughs> you're, al- you're allowed to go to the thing and say, hey, I just want to, like, if you if you felt like you could say, I know that you're probably going to say that I'm looking a certain kind of way, I'm not really in the headspace to hear comments about my body. Thank you for caring. I know that it comes from a place of love. Can we, can we not? Can we not talk about each other's bodies or other people's bodies? Just makes me feel weird. Um and, you know, you're going to get a lot of that, oh, I can't say anything these days. Oh, okay. And and if you're not mentally prepared to have the conversation where it goes down a whole rabbit hole of everyone being, oh, so up in arms because they're not allowed to be rude and oppressive and whatnot, um, then, you know, yeah, avoid those situations or at least go in there knowing that whatever that person says, you need to just put your shield up, ding, and let it just fly off you because yep. you know that it's not true. And I, I know that that sounds really easy and it sounds naff to go, just decide that you don't care. But if you tell yourself that's their, that's their problem, that's them, that's not me, that's them, um, you may find that you're able to get through a situation that's normally more difficult um, and be able to walk away from that going, wow, that person really, you know, maybe you think that person really came at me like more than once, you know, with their, with their backhanded compliments or their weird microaggressions and I'm just, I'm not down for it. And, and I think being prepared is, is really something that I go into lots of situations imagining the meanest things that someone might say to me because, you know, in real life, in the past, that has happened where someone would be like, whoa, you know, I, I've been in situations where me or someone I love has been talking to a medical professional and been, you know, shamed, like very vocally, but also the idea that, yeah, I knew that my mum was going to say something about my outfit. So I was like, don't. <laughs> We're not doing that um, because I was already, I already knew that that was going to happen. And I guess the trick is to learn how to like not take it personally if and when it does happen as well, which is so hard. But like, yeah, like for me with that guy at meditation school, it was like an, a personal attack for me. And then a year later now I can kind of like look back and be like, okay, that was just ridiculous and he was completely out of line and it just means that he's a creep. But at the yeah. time I was like, I feel awful, you know? And and that's that's where you've come from and where you've gotten to. And like this, yeah. you know, in a year you've had that amount of growth. And I think that's a really positive thing. I think you shouldn't shouldn't write that off as only having, you know, that's that's a big deal for you to be able to look at something like that and not and know that it's not about you. Is is yeah, awesome. Totally. So let's talk about relationships. Uh Let's start with the relationship we have with ourselves first. How do you define self-love and how has it evolved for you? Self-love for me is taking care of yourself and treating yourself the same way you treat the people in your life that you love. So letting yourself, yeah, I mean, it's such a simple idea, but it's one that is so hard to to put into practice. You know, if if someone I love makes a mistake, I go, don't worry about it. It was a mistake. But if I make a mistake, I'm the worst person on earth. If oh, and someone, you list all the reasons why. <laughs> as you fall asleep so that you, yeah. you know, exactly, um, go over all the terrible things you've ever done. If someone in my life is tired, I tell them to rest and I make it easy for them to do that. Don't worry, I'll take care of that. I will take that off your plate. I will handle that thing for you. Okay, but like... When I need to rest, I'm like, keep going, you lazy bitch. (laughs) So I, being able to, you know, self-love for me is being like, I need to rest and vocalising that with the people who are going to take something off my plate. I, you know, or 
whether it be at work, you know, I work with some really supportive people. And again, this is for me where I, I realize I'm very fortunate to work with people who are like, self-care is super important, um, you know, or, or to say, you actually seem kind of down. Are you okay? Do you need some time? Whatever it is. Um, obviously they can't observe that about me now because they're working through a screen, but that's where I need to go. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to tell this person that I need time. You know, I need to finish early today because I'm just feeling exhausted or, you know, emotionally, I'm not really prepared to whatever it might be, um, depending on the work that you do. Um, and I realized that that's not something that everybody can do. People who work in frontline healthcare, things like that, just have to kind of show up. And sometimes it's really tiring if you're working a double or you've spent your day doing really traumatic and sad things because working in, in something like frontline healthcare can be, um, you know, terrible, especially at a time like now. Yeah. And I think that those that's when you've got to really lean into that physical self-care. Okay, but when I get home from work, I'm not going to stare at my phone and doom scroll. I'm going to have a bath. <laughs> Guilty. I'm going to sleep. Oh my God, I feel so <laughs> seen right now. <laughs> um, my friend, my, my, my one of my very good friends has this great term. She says, oh, stacked. Um, and it means seen, but also attacked. <laughs> and I'm just oh my like, God, that's amazing. That's the funny urban so, Tioni, Tioni, that one. Um, I, I can't take credit for that. It's my friend Tioni. So, yeah, I <laughs> think <out>. that um, <laughs> yeah, just definitely one of those things where you go, wow, yep, okay, I relate. And, and so I think it's that self-love, self-kindness, self-compassion, whatever it is, yeah, treat yourself the way that you treat the people you love because you are a person that you love or you, you should be. Yeah, absolutely. And has becoming a mother had an impact on the way you feel about yourself? Yeah, but mostly made me feel guilty and a little bit like embarrassed. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh God, am I a good mum? And then he goes, mm, do your business. And I'm like, no, 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 God. Um, no, like I think that um, I think that being um, a parent, but especially a mother, really gives you an insight into the ways that we expect so much from ourselves and that we never give ourselves the break, but that we'll give up yeah. breaks left, right and centre. And I think that having a person in your life who will teach you every day that you just have to let people learn and let them live because uh, you, you can't know what you haven't been told or conversely, you will only know what you've had reinforced. And when you reinforce love and compassion to a person, a small person, mm-hmm. and sass, obviously, in my case, <laughs> when you reinforce those things and they mirror them to you, you, you have to be able to go, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, I'll do something and I'll go, oh, my God, why did I do that? Because I'm very, you know, I don't I don't hide how I how I am and how I feel um, ever. And, and, you know, my son said to me before, he's like, that's okay, Mum. You made a you made a mistake. That's okay, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I'm like that. a, I'm crying, but also b, <laughs> yeah, that is okay. Like it's actually so fun, and so they really they allow you to take a minute sometimes and reflect back to you that love that you need. So yeah, it definitely has has had an impact on me. That is so adorable. He sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty great. I I look forward. And yet I'm terrified by the idea of him being old <laughs> enough, um, I guess, to, to be the kind of person that you can have everyday conversations with. Even now, yes. the things that he says and does, I'm just like, oh, my God, you have no idea. I mean, I always tell people I'm in so much trouble because <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. Like he's saying something and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. But also like, stop it. You can't talk like that, you know, being, being sassy, being snarky. I'm like, stop it. So, yeah. I love cheeky kids, honestly. Yeah. I hope that when I have children, they're like the naughtiest things. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so I was listening to this amazing podcast episode between you and Clementine Ford this week, where she recounts a conversation you had, and correct me if I'm wrong, with a friend when you were about 16 years old, where you said you hoped to be married with kids one day, and how little hope you had that someone would love you, even though you really hoped that at least one person would, and how you didn't care if that person cheated as long as they didn't leave you. And like hearing that, I was so moved because I feel like all women have felt that same level of doubt at some point in their lives. And I'm curious, did finding love come easy for you in the end? Um, look, I yeah, that I mean, all of that's true. What you've just said that that's the conversation. My my friend actually sent me a message after the billboard was covered. Um, you know, on TV and things like that. And just to say that, you know, she was super proud of me and that she's like, I remember you saying this thing to me and me being like, mm-hmm, yeah, I, I don't remember exactly saying that, but I know that I did say that, you know, like I don't, I, I actually scrolled back in, um, in some photos and found a picture of myself and this, and this friend and was like, yeah, actually it was probably that exact person. Um, and I suppose for me, like saying that finding love came easy Yeah, the person, you know, that I was when I fell in love with my now husband loved themselves way more. Now, if I want to unpack that a little bit more, I also need to realise that the reason that I felt that self-love or that self-confidence or whatever it was that made me attractive was partly to do with diet culture because I had a lower body weight, I was feeling hot, and therefore we, when we met I wasn't held back by the same, oh, this person's going to leave me. And that's partly because um, I previously had been in a relationship with someone who was very abusive and and really, you know, controlling and made me feel bad about how I looked. Um, you know, we got engaged after uh, being together for about four years and then told me like, we can't set a date for the wedding until you weigh this many kilos. <gasps> I was like, cool, I'm keeping the ring. Goodbye. Um, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's a lot more between that, but I think the short version of that story is that I was like, bye. Uh, oh, and six, well, good six on months you. after, thank you. Six months after we split up, um, I met my husband in a bar. Uh, after wow. spending the summer on Tinder. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and I, we met in a bar and we've been inseparable ever since and we've been married for, um, I don't know, three years, is it? Oh, um, wow. Yeah, three years and together for five. And, look, I know that, uh, you know, marriage and that heteronormative kind of, you know, kids and a house with a picket fence, oh, which I have both of those but it's a coincidence because <laughs> um, we're renting, um, <laughs> is that... You, whatever feels good. And I think, you know, yeah. finding love came easy in the sense that I met someone who made it easy for them, for me to love them and for me to love myself. And so, it's a trick, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's not easy. And it doesn't, you will definitely kiss a bunch of toads or like whatever. Oh my God. To say you the know, least. Wow. <laughs> toad. I'm like, this isn't a toad. This is an eel. Um, like, <laughs> oh what the hell? So um, accurate. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, um, you know, I, in the past, would 100% have placed the opinion of someone else, especially a cis-het man, over my opinion of myself. And that's the difference. That was the difference for me when I fell in love with my husband was that I was like, ah, um, no, we won't be doing that. Um, I make the rules around here, buddy, um, <laughs> as far as, like, how I felt about myself. And, yeah, I still yeah. come out and I go, does this outfit look cute? And he will say, yeah, it does or no, it doesn't, but that's because he knows how I want to look. 
Of course. You know, yeah. when I shaved my head to raise money for cancer and then, you know, I you get I don't know if anyone else would relate to this, but once you've shaved your head, you get addicted to keeping it shaved because it feels really nice. Oh, wow, um, how interesting. I can't, yeah. You can't, like, stop touching it. Maybe it's just me. Um, <laughs> but but um, I said to him, oh, what do you think if I, like, shave my head again? He's like, well, it's your hair. Correct answer. Yes. That is the only correct answer. And I think so the true. idea that you can fall in love with someone who just is like, yeah, I don't know, do whatever you want, uh, is really powerful and really special. And I, I want that for everyone who wants to find love. Honestly, I feel like it's so rare, though, because, like, so many of my exes have, like, told me what to wear, what to eat. I have, like, actually taken ice cream or lollies off me because they're, like, you've eaten too much. have touched my stomach saying, you need to lose that. So, like, and I just, I feel like it's rare for men to actually support women and the way they look. And it's so shocking to me that even in relationships, people who are supposed to love you feel that they have the right to talk to you like that like your story of your fiance just blows my mind and I'm so glad oh, that yeah you yeah. had the courage to walk away from that because imagine your life today if you had stayed with someone like that let's not I don't want to have a nightmare <laughs> while I'm awake thank you um, yeah I, sorry didn't want to like goodbye you go down that <laughs> no 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 I find it funny I find it really funny um because I'm just like oh whatever good luck dude you'll need it um and I think just to reflect what you've said people think that that is love because they've been taught that love is control and abuse and manipulation because all of these kind of stereotypical relationships are man in control, woman in submission, da-da-da-da. And so the patriarchy harms men as much as it harms women because they believe these stupid ideas about, oh, a woman should be submissive to me and I should be able to tell her how much she should eat and weigh. Uh, look, I don't want to, I'm not going to swear more than I already have, but I think we all know I'm saying F off to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and no, like, and I... I don't think for a second that any guy who acts like that, even though they probably also have some sort of weird ego and God complex, doesn't secretly have insecurity. In fact, more likely to have insecurities about themselves. Again, that's them. It's not me. It's them. It's not you. And I think being able to really know that, like inherently, like unshakably know that it's not you, it's them, is so is such a great place to get to and, and it takes time, but it is such a great place it to takes get to. takes so long. Like, it really Ugh. took me well, ages. I'm 36. <laughs> I'm 36. Um, broke up with That's my ex when I was 30. <laughs> okay, um, right. So yeah. single at 30. I was like, yeah. it's meant to be. I relate. Uh, so... So many of my listeners write to me saying they think men have become so used to airbrushing, filters on Instagram and things like surgery that they have unrealistic beauty expectations of women now too. Do you think with everything that you do online, all the work that you contribute to, do you think society will ever reach a point where women will feel accepted and celebrated for the way they really look? Yeah, I really do. I believe that because I think if I didn't, I probably wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. Um, (laughs) But I... (laughs) Totally. <laughs> um, I, yes, and I am actively working on it um, with the people that I support myself, you know, I, I'm supported by and the people who I support. The way that society feels about women and the way that we will learn to view ourselves through the lens of society's expectations can only change when we all agree that's that's like we're not doing that anymore. And yeah. so I think when we put the pressure on, like I said before, put the pressure on the corporations that create oppression with, um, you know, only allowing fast fashion to be accessible to fat bodies, you know, by mm. let's put our money, let's put our money towards small businesses that want to create accessible, sustainable fashion for bodies of all shapes, sizes and abilities 
responsibilities. Let's not contribute further to the problems by being, you know, by projecting our stuff, especially outwardly, you know, those comments where it's someone tagging their friend being like, look at this, shut up, stop that. We won't be doing that. And I think that society will reach a point where we allow every kind of body to be accepted when we can see all of them represented in all the places we look for inspiration, the media, television, fashion, music, when we see all of the different, look at the ways that people like Tones and I are celebrated because they're not the same as everyone else. Billie Eilish, even Mm. though, you know, we know that Billie Eilish also happens to look exactly like a 1940s starlet. When, when she chooses to. Um, I'm completely obsessed with her, by the way. I just recently literally. watched her documentary like, and she's my idol. <laughs> the best. And, like, and yeah. I think when we stop comparing Taylor and Billy, when we stop talking about, um, you know, the ways that Lizzo and, and Cardi B and, you know, we haven't even talked about what role racism plays in anti-fatness, but that's for another episode. Um, I think that... <laughs> to be continued. When we, yes, when we stop comparing them and, and celebrate celebrate them all for their individual awesomeness, then we're there and that can't happen until we agree that we're going to do it and that we commit ourselves to doing it. So not just being like, oh, yeah, I follow her. Yeah, but did you listen to what I said? Because if you yeah. didn't, it doesn't make a difference. Um, <laughs> and unfollowing people who do shitty things like make racist jokes, who make fat phobic content, who... Uh, are in the comments saying terrible things to people like Abby. No, unfollow, report, block, delete, goodbye. We're not doing that. It's over. Yep, agree. And so there's so much pressure on women to be and do it all. Do you think we can have it all? Has that changed for you over the years? I think we need to stop wanting it all. All is a lot. There's a lot to have. Can we have (laughs) a bit of each of it, like, over time? Can we, like, dig a station our life and just go, hmm, this this period of singledom pairs nicely with my Tinder account. However, I also like a nice rustic, you know, one-year relationship with, um, you know, someone different and then that goes goes really well with settling down and living in France. Like, why do we have to have it all at the same time? Can't we just have it all in stages and, and fits and starts? Can't we just do whatever we want? And if we really do think that we need to be and do it all, let's expect that from everyone. Let's bring that energy to oh, the boardroom. so true. So, yes. <laughs> you know, men men don't have it all. They just have what they want and then somebody else, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, the, the, when we talk about, oh, you know, that man supported his wife to stay at home from work. Nah, that is not what happened. The partner, usually the wife, obviously, again, talking about heteronormative situations, A, because I live in one, um, but B, because we know that the patriarchy um, reinforces gender bullshit all the time. That yep. um, we we think of when working in the home, unpaid, all day long, twenty four seven, as being the ones who are being supported. Uh, <laughs> you couldn't <Yeah>. be more <laughs> wrong. Um, the and men I wouldn't be that, able to do their job if it wasn't for the right. women. And the pandemic yep. has showed us Fact. that. But we still need to do something about that. Okay, if we re- if we recognise that the unpaid economy of women's labour in the home has such value to society, why don't we do something about that? Right. Um, you know, as <laughs> it's it, it doesn't matter if we're whether we think that you know, uh, there should be equal value assigned to work inside the home, work outside the home, whatever, industries, this and that. Capitalism has done what it has done. But if we already know and the studies are showing 
how we need to value the work that's being done in the home, like the domestic labour, etc. We need to do something with that information. We need to not just hear that fact of, wow, that's a lot, and then just go on with our lives. Um, and I think that's what we really need to do. Absolutely. And so the purpose of this podcast is to create the manual for the modern woman. What are three pieces of advice you wish you knew starting out? That main shit um, and also that, no, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm kidding, but I'm not, but I am. Um, Doja Cat said it. I just repeated it. Um, and I I think if I had learned my opinion of myself is the most important, that would yeah. be, that'd be, that's my top one. Um, other people will hurt you because they're hurting inside. Um, and so expect so that, but also realise that it's not about you. Um, and third thing would just be like, Blue cheese and red wine are actually really good. Don't wait till you're like 28 to try them because they're delicious. <laughs> wait, you waited until you were 28? I, I feel so a... sorry for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I look back now, I'm like, you missed out. Um, yeah, I was in New Zealand for the first time being in New Zealand and tried red wine and blue cheese um, in New Zealand, which, I mean, like kind of ruins it for literally everywhere else. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you get that. Um, and... I tried that and was like, oh, my God. So, yeah, I think that um, we need to really lean into those what we would call exotic foods early on because you will be missing out oysters, like all of that. Exotic oh, foods love are the oysters. best. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So what's next for the Bodzilla? Well, what's next indeed? Um, I foresee that there will be a few very cool projects coming up. Um, nothing I can talk about today. Hate that. I really <laughs> desperately hate when <laughs> yeah when people leave you hanging like that. Um, but what I can say is that I'm not going anywhere, um, and that I am determined that we will do better next year than we did this year, and that we will build on that every year after that, whatever I've got the power to do that. I love that. Okay, well, I very much look forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you so much for your time today, April. Honestly, it was such a treat having you on the Single at 30 podcast. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been great to chat to you. Thank you so much for listening to this Single at 30 episode, Your Body, Your Business, How to Accept, Appreciate, and Love Your Body. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and hit follow and subscribe. If you have any questions, feedback, or even an app idea, DM me on Instagram at single underscore at underscore 30, or join the Single at 30 closed Facebook group to become part of the community where together with other like-minded modern women, we publicly air the uncomfortable and the unspoken. As always, no topic is taboo as we search for answers to the questions most people are too ashamed to ask. This is Single at 30, the manual for the modern woman that we are writing together. Thank you.